Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Hey everybody, Janine Gordon, and you may know me as Janine Fully Love Gordon. I am going to be your next Shelby County Juvenile Court clerk, but I have to hang with my girl, Ina Esco, and the Verbally Effective Podcast. What's up, everybody out there? I am Sharika Holmes, and I am with Sharika Fitness Bombshell, and we are going to rock it out on Verbally Effective. Tax Prep is an independently owned tax preparation company specializing in preparing and electronically filing federal and state income tax returns for individuals and small businesses. Contact Email Sagi Jr. with the exec tax team to provide you with the top of the line tax strategies. By educating clients on new and existing tax laws, Emil's goal is to ensure that you make the right financial decision. Contact Email Sagi Jr. today at 901-752-9152 or email E-S-I-G-E-E at E-D-X-A-C-T-T-A-X-P-R-E-P dot com. It's your double E, Ina Esco, on the Verbally Effective Podcast. This is the podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment with a Memphis focus. I want to send a huge shout out to everyone that has purchased merch. You all can check it out right now on ivymultimediashop.com. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on all streaming platforms. Hit that subscribe button on the Ina Esco YouTube channel so you can check out all these wonderful visuals. I want to send a huge shout out to my team, Ari the Genius, Patrick, and Brandon, and my boy Morel in the building today on production. And we're going to just jump right into it because I met this gentleman in person a few weeks back at an event uh, that WYXR Community Radio Station had. And he was uh, the facilitator for a very interesting discussion regarding music and artists. Um, He is a producer, a writer, an artist, a DJ for Funky Town Show over there at WYXR. He is the tour and production manager for the amazing Janelle Monet. He's also a music instructor at the University of Memphis School of Music. I'm talking about Jeff Coran. What's up, Jeff? What's up? How you doing? I am good. How are you? I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I'm chilling. Look, we met, and I was like, I need to get you on the podcast. You was like, I'm down. I'm like, cool, because, you know, just sitting listening to you um, as you facilitated the panel, I'm like, oh, my God, like, you know, he's so knowledgeable about this business. Do you get that a lot? Because you've been in the game for how long? Oh, I've been 
I managed my first artist when I was like 15. Wow. So that'd be like 22 years now. That's a long time. Yeah, but like professionally, professionally uh, since 2006. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you from South Memphis. Yeah, man. South Park. Without South Park. Yes. in Leland. South Park. in Mississippi. You know, right before you get to the curve. Mm-hmm. You know, Money Middle. 38106. Yeah. 38106. Went to uh, Orleans. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm very much South Memphis. Okay. And tell me about your family dynamic growing up. So, it was cool. Like, um, growing up in South Memphis, like, you know, you don't really know that. You think that everybody broke. And so it was cool because, like, we always had fun, you know. Um, I always had music in my life. My aunt, my mom, my dad, they all sang in the Operation Push Choir back in the day. Um, my aunt sang background for Ray Charles. Um, my uncle played in the Barcades, you know. Okay. I mean, it was, when you growing up, you just kind of running around. So it was just always music around. Like, that was... That was kind of things, music and sports. And so, you know, went to Orleans, went to Roselle, went to Snowden, went to Central, and just was doing music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at a certain point, it kind of arrests you. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. my mom was like, you got to be a lawyer, though. And so when I went to UT Knox, I was playing like I was going to go to law school. But, you know, music took over. You had yeah. to do it for mom. You yeah. had to start it off for mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But music took over. Uh, was there someone very instrumental when you were growing up, that taught you really like, hey, this is how you do it, Jeff. This is, you know. Yeah, I think um, it's crazy because, like, you grow up, and I grew up in a single-parent household, so you grow up, like, for most of my life, I was thinking, like, man, I ain't have no father figures and stuff like I really wanted to or whatever. But now I'm looking back, and you start noticing, like, how my mom was, like, the drummer from the church, and then mm-hmm. your uncle doing this, and then blah, blah. I, was looking, I looked back, and I was like, man, there's so many, like, men who really like taught you how to tie a tie and then my dad taught me how to play basketball like it was it was a whole, I mean like it was a real community like it's crazy to see how many like black men made sure you know I kind of you walk in and you don't see what's in front of you and they're like laying down the road in yeah. front of you whatever so I really I mean the city like you know my granddad my dad my uncle Joe my uncle Joe was the road manager for Ray Charles and so mm. I went and saw my first concert when I was like four and it was Ray Charles and so like I remember that like it's yesterday, like, seeing, you know, the stage and seeing my grandma cook for everybody. Like, you know, I was hooked from like then, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, like standing on the little, uh, on the bench, like with a little robe on mm-hmm. directing, thinking I'm a Lander Draper or something. Like it was, <laughs> yes. you know, like I knew I was going to do something and I knew, okay, I'm not mm-hmm. good enough to be a musician. I'm not like, I don't got enough, you know, endurance when it comes to practicing, but I know how to tell people what to do. And so okay. <laughs> that, that was that was the one thing that I was kind of good at or whatever, and I mm-hmm. liked being a line leader. And so it kind of at a certain point, it you know kind of came together. Now, were you involved in music at the Central High School? Oh, yeah, yeah. What did you do with with music there? <laughs> so I was in the uh, the jazz band, which okay. is a big deal at Central. You know, we I mean, it's so many legends that came out of the program, and uh, I played jazz band. I was section leader. Um, you know, my I think my senior year, and it was cool. Like. Mm-hmm. Because when we came in, I always tell people it's, it was interesting. Like when we went to Snowden, when we came in in seventh, when we were in seventh grade, the school went to being a middle school. So like automatically, the seventh graders became like king of the, like mm-hmm. of the school, or whatever. When we got to Central in ninth grade, there was already like a big band, but we had a whole big band from Snowden that came over, and we started like the first like little, uh, not little, it was the first ninth grade big band that they mm-hmm. had, and we were like 
practice all day, and I was a real band band nerd. But I, it's kind of weird because like playing trumpet, my mom ain't one trying to like let me play the trumpet in the house. Okay, you know, <laughs> like, okay. You know, so it was like I was only like practicing when I was at school, and I know I didn't really want to play trumpet. Like I like song, but you know, it was mm-hmm. cool. But it was cool like the camaraderie and listening to music and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I did it when I was in school, and then once I got to college, my mom was like, well, you're not about to play that professionally, so mm. you need to get you a real major, go do poli-sci, mm-hmm. and, you know, and relax. <laughs> she was okay. like, you know, if you want to be in music, you need to be an executive, you need to have a law degree. Like, she was really, like, in mm-hmm. that space, whatever. And so so you went to UT went and to took up law. Well, political science. Political so science. My, that lasted all of about, like, a year. I ended up getting a minor in political science, but like I, I did my first internship at the public defender's office mm-hmm. that summer. How was that? Horrible. Mm-hmm. It was funny. I mean, it was pretty funny. It was like being in like an episode of like Night Court or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know my Night Court. Yes, I like, can it imagine. Was like, I can it was imagine like that. that. Like I mean, because you know it's. It's damn, you know, anybody work for the city, it's like, it's a whole lot of little shenanigans going on. I was yes. like interviewing, like, entertainment. Co- I was interviewing, like, convicts and stuff. Like, I'm a freshman, <laughs> man. Like, why am I interviewing this guy for robbery? Like, you right. know, because when they come in, you know, you have to do the little. It- I wasn't supposed to do that. This man yeah. gone to lunch. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, nah, I don't want to be a lawyer. They were chasing too many, like, you know, they were just chasing clients all you the time. You was like, that's not for me. Yeah, and I was just like, man, you know, and so. So you that had to was, make that phone call to mom and said, Mom, look. Well, no, I just, I parlayed it for a while. I was like, well, I'm just going to, you know, just get into communications. Cause that, so my first year, it, as soon as I got to UT, there was a blackface incident. Like, as soon as I got there. Oh. Well, maybe probably by, by the time that Halloween came by, mm-hmm. there was a blackface incident. And at that time, I was the vice president of the state in the BCP. Mm-hmm. Uh, youth and youth college division. Um, so when I came in as a freshman, that was my role. And... When that happened, I wrote a guest column in the newspaper, and it really, you know, didn't go viral because viral didn't exist then, but it mm-hmm. really set a stir on campus. And that launched me into starting to write for the newspaper. And mm-hmm. so, you know, um, by, by the time I, my sophomore year happened, I was a journalist. I was writing, you know, seven, eight, you know, articles mm-hmm. a week. You and, enjoy writing. Yeah, and so my mom was like, whatever, dog. Just as long as you don't come back home, <laughs> as long as you don't get nobody pregnant, yeah. you know what I'm saying, like get AIDS or like come back home. Like that's all my mom really cared about was like as long as you ain't mm-hmm. like, you know, like selling drugs, cool, whatever. And so just, but but she was like, she was very strict about, but you're not just going to do music alone. Right. Like, you're it not, needs to be something You ain't going to be else. no gigging artist. Like you ain't even good enough mm-hmm. for this. Like she was real... She was, I appreciate her for that because yeah. she was like, bro, you're not that good. Like, you're good enough to play, like, the drums yeah. at church, but you... But nah. but with that being said, it exposed you to other things yeah. that, yeah. you know, that yeah. you're really good at. Yeah, I mean, I had friends who were really good. I had one friend who was really good when we were growing up. He was a prodigy. And I was like, you're doing it wrong. I would always be able to tell him when he was doing stuff wrong. And so he started planting little churches and stuff. And back then... There was no, you know, Google Maps. So if you was doing a show in South Memphis, you got to take Jeff with you because, you know, he mm-hmm. know where the church at or whatever. And so that was my first, like, little management gig, getting $50 to play for the church or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I knew I knew what my kind of calling was, like, pretty early. I just didn't know how it was going to work mm-hmm. out, you know. Okay, so let's take it to UT. At what point did it get serious for you with music? Well, being at a certain I mean, I was real active in the NAACP, and, you know, you go to school like UT, you get a budget for, like, diversity and inclusion 
dollars. And so I had this friend, my son, my same homeboy, he went to school at Morehouse. He had a band called Jazz Fix. And they were doing shows and they were going on a spring tour. Well, I got this pot of money. Y'all wanna come through and do a show? Perfect. You know, boom, so boom. yeah, so I was always kinda, you know, whether it was throwing parties at my house growing up or, you know, uh, we just gonna all go to Fridays and my back. Like it was always I was always kinda like the hanging out person, mm-hmm. you know, or selling bootleg CDs person, you know, like and so once I did that that first show, I was like, Oh, that's kinda cool. And I built a report. Then once I graduated from college, moved back home for a month, didn't get a job here, he had they at that time they were Janelle's band. Mm. Janelle's band had the same management as Janelle and I was just talking to him you know, like every week, like, yo man, what you got going on? And I was giving him advice. He's like, You should just manage my band. What mm. you doing in Memphis? You just staying at home, just, you know, move to Atlanta, man. We got a couch. Mm-hmm. We will pay you like, you know, fifteen percent of whatever you make every day. And okay. I, I know Janelle, you know Janelle from you know, because I had known Janelle from, you know, um when we was in college and he was in college, he's like, you know, so we knew knew of each other. He's like, hey, you got, this is a shot. You got a shot. And so, I mean, if you get, because at that time I was still thinking about going to law school. So I was going to take a gap year, study for the GRE and the LSAT or whatever. And, you know, he's like, I mean, you can just spend it in Atlanta. And worst case scenario, you'll just fall into the industry. And, I mean, that's exactly what that's happened. What happened. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So when you became the manager, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and moved to Buckhead. How was that experience like? Because you know the music world. I know that was totally different mm-hmm. from what you was doing in Memphis with music. Um, what you probably experienced at UT. Now you in Atlanta. That's a hub for music. Mm-hmm. How was you know life I, in Atlanta in Buckhead at that moment? I was. Um, it was cool because like. When I was thinking about going to college, it was like either Morehouse or Howard or UT, and then I made the decision. I was like, I'm not ready to go to Morehouse. Like, it was just like, it's a fashion show. Like, and I mean, for me, it was important. I had gone to Rosalia, I gone, to, you know, gone to Orleans, gone to Rosalia, gone to Snow, gone to Central. Well, going to Morehouse was cool, but I would rather be like a regular black person. Yeah. And so I knew I could do more at UT than I could do at Morehouse. And so, you know, but we was always down in Morehouse. Every week, or at Howard. Howard is about a 30-minute flight. Mm-hmm. You know, TSU, like, people think I went to Morehouse. Like, it was, I was like, okay, I'm just not going to go there. I'm just going to be up there a lot or whatever. And so, mm-hmm. you know, coming to Atlanta, I had been preparing, you know, just kind of mentally. I knew a lot of people there. They were still, you know, the guys went to Morehouse. And so, you know, and Janelle was still relevant at AUC. So I just spent, you know, like, college was my real wheelhouse anyway. And mm-hmm. when I looked at Atlanta, it's like it's different scenes. On one end, you have like the super pro scene. Now in Atlanta, you got fifty thousand black kids in the AUC. So it's like uh, if you can just like, and they Janelle and them already popping. So it was just like, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, just you know, just don't screw it up. Like I mean, it wasn't you know, it was. Uh, and then Memphis does that to you, man. Like you know, like. And I'm from the era where we was going to D and D, you know yeah, what I'm saying? So I <laughs> in the spot. Yes. <laughs> I was probably the same part. We was fifteen in the club, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, I mean, and they get to shoot and get to fight. Like it was just so normalized mm-hmm. and you had to like have some type of swagger. You had to like, you know, to walk down the street, to go to school, to whatever, whatever. Like getting out of M- like MCS, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> whatever, like, you know, For real. it was a real thing. And so by the time you get out of like and I guess I'm from like the era of like 
some of the first classes that mass black kids like I, oh, where are you going to school at? Like that was my sister graduated in ninety seven. That wasn't a question then. Like, are you going to college? It's like it was you know like most my, most of my people in my sister's class went you know went to work at FedEx or whatever whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know in two thousand two when I came out, it was more of a normal thing of everybody to go to college, to go to college or whatever. Yeah. So to be able to come out of Memphis, make it through UT, which you know had is. A lot of racist moments. Like, we had to really, you know, give folks ass a lot. You know, like, that was really, you know, what had to happen or whatever. And, and with you being in that NAACP position, yeah. you mentioned the blackface incident. Tell me about that. What what exactly happened? So, it was Halloween, and, um, and it's so crazy thinking about it now because, like, it's, you know, 2002. And so, you know, you barely got, you barely got text messages. And you just, like, literally hear motherfuckers being like, yo, it's the motherfuckers on the strip in blackface, dog. We about to whoop their ass. Like, it was like, why are these black people running? I'm about to run, too. We about to fuck some people up. Like, it was like that kind of going on or whatever. And everybody was just pissed off. Like, I ain't never seen people from other fraternities being mad because they, like, they had... One person was being like Louis Armstrong, and another person was, like, Mm -hmm. trying to, like, dress as an alpha or some Uh shit. Like, people just, like, enraged. Like, who the fuck, like, like... Why did you think this was cool? Why did you like, think that's okay? and and so to see, and it was kind of weird because I'm a real run to the fire kind of person. I was like, "This is what I'm here for." Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is my purpose. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, I'm here to whoop ass. Like, what's up, dog? What's up, man? Let me write this angry letter real quick. You know what I'm saying? Because like a couple of days afterwards, you know, you get the, um, and it just really helped. And it's crazy now, like, being a professor, because we had professors that was, like, all about the black power, black power. But when the shit went down, they was, like, nowhere to be found. Mm. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. They was like, tenure. I was like, oh, now I'm a mm-hmm. teacher. I'm like. You understand it now? No. Nah. You would have did, I mean, did, did it. <laughs> no, nah, I'm like, fuck like, this shit. I mean, like, I mean, I think right is right and wrong is wrong. If people want to support you, then they want to support you. But I do understand, like, I don't have kids. I don't have no mortgages. I ain't been working for fucking 30 years to get to this point for some people to tell me like hell no yeah. like they do you know which is a whole, you know so that became that was my first like I mean cause even in like Memphis when we had the NAACP Youth Council shout out um, cause they really like it's a whole generation of us that have learned responsible civil discourse mm-hmm. how to create community United Way you know what I'm saying like all those organizations that we have links like all this stuff is so important so that by the time I got to, you know, like, UT, shit just kept on happening. So it was like, okay, I know y'all kind of meeting once a, once a month. We need to meet, like, twice a month and, like, talk this shit out before somebody get hurt because we need a place to kind of talk. And then at a certain point, okay, now that we're talking, what are we going to do and really just creating a forum for that or whatever. So my senior year, we created um, this Black Issues Conference. And so I went to went back to school for the first time in forever in 2019. I almost started crying because it was like in his 20th year, whatever year. It was like the whatever anniversary of the thing. I'm just that. like, yeah, and so it was cool. Like we had, I remember one year we had like uh, Mayor Warden come. Like we had, you know, and then it was cool because I think the election year we had like Al Sharpton come and then we had Alan Keyes come like mm-hmm. really trying to make sure that, you know, we raise responsible, you know, mm-hmm. um, people and have discourse, whatever. So that was my first like idea of like, wanted to build a community around, you know, culture. And so, like, by the time I got to, you know, uh, Atlanta, you know, the momentum just moves you forward. The fear and the momentum is like, I'm standing on the couch, bro. Like, you know, I'm working at Macy's. I'm taking the bus. I, uh, 
you know, I I can't go back home. And so once you had that, I can't go back home, you just, you know, work. And so, you know, over from 2006 to 2009, the band I had, Jazz you know, we did some good work. You know, we did a few, you know, national tours. And, you know, um, at a certain point, Janelle, you know, kind of said, hey, um, we need somebody to, to go out. You know, my, my manager kind of wants to get off the road. You know, can you go out? I'm like. I mean, why don't you say this all my life, <laughs> man? No, nah, but it's, I, it totally caught me by surprise, and so that was that was when I that part of my life kind of started. And look, when when you say, "Can you go on tour?" You guys did like a global. I mean, things got really serious really fast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm talking about a full fledged tour production. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have been on the Oscars, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Essence Fest, um, look, 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 no, the White House. <laughs> BET Awards. I'm talking about Grammys, Saturday Night Live, Coachella, and you were handling the production for all of this, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. and when we say that, kind of walk us through, how does that work, Jeff? Um, These are some major productions that we, as the little people, we see on TV, right? And we're like, wow. Somebody had to really put that idea together, right? It's, I mean, for me, I think how my mind works, like, I always look at it, like, from the tour side. Like, if we're on a tour and we're on a bus going every day, it's pretty easy to me. Because it's kind of like, I got to wake up and I got something to do. I'm just going to bring y'all with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and so, yeah. and so I just, like, it's only 24 hours in a day. And mm-hmm. certain things that they, so, I mean, this city is only this far from this city. Rinse and repeat. Now, when you first start off, you don't know shit. And so you just like fucking up left and right, like you know. And so, you know, you learn by ass to cash. And I mean, I I got my ass kicked a lot, yeah. and I spent a lot of cash on it too, or whatever. So I think that, you know, the idea behind my job is, you know, they hit me up and say, hey, we got a show, and I make sure the show happens. I mean, on the tour side, that's the hotels, the flights, the catering, the car service, the guest list. Mm-hmm. When family comes in town, like. That's the customer, like the real kind of logistical, you know, customer service side. On the production side, that's the instruments and you know the the stage and the risers and um, you know rehearsals and all of that stuff, whatever. So it made it easier for me to do both of them, just because mm-hmm. I started. You know, it was only when we first started out, it was like eight of us, and we had like two duffel bags worth of stuff, mm-hmm. and that was the show. And it's crazy now because like. The same thing that was in that duffel bag is, like, on the show, just supersized. Like, we had a stool. We had a little strobe light. We had a fog machine. We had some confetti can, like some confetti guns. We had, like, a wig that I used to wear and run around. I used to be, like, Thomas Jefferson or some bullshit. I used to run around <laughs> or whatever. And we had a cape that we put on her, like, you know, like like James Brown. I remember Brand her cape, I used to put the cape on her at, after every show or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the thing. And now it's like it's the same thing, just like way bigger. But you know, it's it's been cool. Like Janelle, that's that's my my homie. And so I mean, like the first day I moved to Atlanta, like the third place I went on the first day I moved was Wonderland. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To her house, and we talked the whole night. And so, you know, she's always just been like really helpful. Like when we needed to, hey man, can we use your car to rent the van, or can we mm-hmm. use these speakers, or can we use your house for, you know, a video? Or can we use, like, yeah, okay, cool, cool. And so, you know, um, it's it's cool. I, it's hard for me to do it for anybody else. Yeah. Because, you know, I know, I, you know, we know each other real well. So. Yeah, and, and you, know, you know, just looking at uh, interviews with her and, and, you know, 
I see that she's an energy person. Mm-hmm. So she vibes off energy, right? Yeah. So you guys must be on the same level with that energy. Yeah, we we got that. She, I mean, just cool. Like being friends, it, it, that lasted a little bit before. She's very meticulous, and it's it's great for me because I need to be told exactly what to do, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, when we first started, like I know how to talk like Janelle because she'll say, "What what the email say." <laughs> what no 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 what don't say that word that word, that word sounds weak that word sounds like whatever like she was like it's, it. it's great to be able to, i mean if i ever run into anything about anything i can call her and say hey and she may not may not know like literally the technical kind of whatever whatever but she knows exactly what she wants mm-hmm. and i'm a person that knows like what i want too so mm-hmm. it really like and she a creature of habit like you know if i go and buy a shirt i remember i went and bought a shirt from like ralph Lauren or some shit for her or whatever and she's like Go give me this shirt. So I come back and I bring two shirts. I think I brought three. I'm going to bring three. All right, cool. She said, that's all? Mm. I said, what do you mean? She's like, how many shirts are left? I was like, I mean, it was probably like eight left. She's like, well, if you want something, get all of it. If you like something, get all of it. Okay. She said, because it may go out of season. And when she said that, I was just like, it just was like a much larger kind of thing Mm. because she's a person that's like, don't leave nothing for chance. Like, come and burn this motherfucker down. Like, she's like okay. that person. Like, make it she real clear. Like, like make it real person. clear. Did you really fight for this shit or not? Like, she's that person. And she had to charge me up like, you know what? Nah, fuck these folks. Like, I had to really, like, mm-hmm. like really, she can be very, she can be very sweet, but she can be very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it suited me well. Like, you know, I ran track growing up. And so, you know, Coach Roberts at Central was, always was in our ass. And I, mm-hmm. it works better for me for people to tell me exactly what's needed out of me and you know and and to just to not fire me like you know what I'm saying like <laughs> that's important like you don't fire me then I'm like I should have got fired bro I'm up like and I think yeah. that you know it allows me as a as you know we can have anywhere between like 25 people to like you know we do a Coachella it's you know maybe 100 people out there you know it helps me to be a lot more chill mm-hmm. as you know, somebody's boss. And especially now, now I'm a professor, I'm a total, total softy now. Yes. But, you know, I mean, you know, but it, it allows me to be really patient with people. Even though, I mean, it's certain things that don't fly, though. We do fire a good amount of people, whatever. But that's more energy. Like, if your energy ain't straight, yeah. you out of here. You know, because I can feel, like, if you have good energy and you a, a person of good character, mm-hmm. we can figure everything out. You can be a lazy ass, but you got good character, we can get you to the working thing. But if you, like, don't got good character. Like, most of the people that we end up firing are people who are really talented, but you can't tell them shit. Mm. Or when things fuck up, they trying to blame somebody else and hide and shit. And yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> nah, that's going to make me mad. As opposed to being like, like, when I would mess up, I'd be like, okay, so this, this, I would have a whole list of things, and then I didn't do this. Because she'll say, well, what's your list at? Don't so you need you're to being accountable. Yeah, she's like, you have to make a list of your processes. Mm-hmm. And oh, so, Janelle on top of And so, that. like, once... Once I understood it's just, everything's just numbers, like, okay, if I can just make it whatever, and every day just need to be like the next day, then, I mean, you know, you only can fuck up so much. Rest and repeat, huh? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess you can fuck up a lot, but, I mean, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> before you get fired, you know, so, I mean, you wow. know. Yeah. So, when the pandemic hit, <laughs> how was that for you? That was crazy. Like, so, we did the Oscars, and for us, like, We've done a, a good amount of shows, and the beauty of it is that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So the Oscars, that's my first time doing the Oscars. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. 
we do it or whatever. Um, <laughs> week of the Oscars. I had been on and off with my girl for like 12 years. And we broke up. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm a little sad, little puppy dog the whole little week or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy because we're doing the Oscars. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, we about to turn this shit up. We got <laughs> we got shows coming up. We got, like, essence. We had a whole, we, didn't have, we had a good amount of stuff going on. And it was in the third year of the tour. So the third year of the tour is kind of cool because you do, like, let's see, like, in the second year, we were second to the headliner at Coachella. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, headline our own stage at Glastonbury, like. You know, it's like, okay, we about to headline Essence this time. Like, it was like, mm-hmm. you know, like, all right, we about to really get the fruits of our labor and get some off time and, like, get to kind of refresh and blah, 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 yes. whatever. Then the pandemic hits. <laughs> Look, you didn't know you was going to get a break like then that. Then the huh? pandemic hits. And so now I'm like, you know, not only am I, um, fit, you know, out of work and broken up and standing this instead of my ex. broke up. And so, yeah, so, you know, that was interesting, like, you know, but my ex and I were, like, super cool or whatever, but the idea of, like, all right, what am I going to do next? Like, And so one of my um, my business partner, Monica Young, is um, has been a great mentor. Um, she's a producer of, of films. Um, and it was just crazy because that night was the night that her film that she produced, uh, Hair Love, won an Oscar. And so we're out hanging out a couple of days after. I tell her to think about my girl, and she's like, y'all broke up, like... You're moving to LA. What? I ain't got no, I ain't got no LA money. She's like, you moving to LA, and I mean, I would always stay with Monica because she had like a three bedroom, nice crib or whatever. She's like, you know, I got another room. You just move here. I know you're working on the script. Bam. I was like, oh, I'm moving to LA. Probably this best Baby breakup LA. ever, dog. I get to move to LA, dog. <laughs> like, wow. And when I mean, and then when I told my told my ex, she was like. She started crying. She's like, yo, I was, you know, I, I wanted you to move to L.A. at some point. Like, I know, you know, Atlanta's been, like, holding you back or whatever. So it was cool, whatever, whatever. Mm. So I'm excited. We're going to L.A. Then the pandemic happens. And so now, like, we stuck in the house. And we had, a, you know, a night, enough space to be, you know, whatever. Stuck in this house. Like, I got my leases up in a couple of months. And so I was like, well, I was still thinking I was going to move to L.A. I was like, I'm just going to drop my stuff in my sister's crib. Mm-hmm. Days. Days went by, I was like, I think I'm going to have to stay at my sister's crib for a little bit. Which was cool, because I hadn't stayed with my sister since, Jesus, since I was like, since the 90s. You know what I'm saying? My sister's five years older than me, and, you know, a lot of who I am is because of the music that she played. Mm. You know, she was the one playing, the 90s. You know, she's playing, you know, All Eyes on Me. Yeah. And she's playing Brown Sugar, and she's playing Mama's Gun. And, yes. you know, we fucking them Columbia House subscriptions up, dog. <laughs> Like, you know, she's playing all this shit. You know, she was the one that was playing music, stuff like that. So moving back in with her, and then my niece at the time was in her senior year of high school. Um, and so it was cool, you know, moving in with them. Uh, and then my um, my sister's at the time, fiance is moving in. So it was cool getting to, getting to know him, whatever, just, you know, like. Yeah. And so I stayed with my sister. Um, and that was cool. Like, it felt like, you know, childhood. And yeah. so about a year into it, um, and I was... I mean, it's a pandemic, so it was kind of like everybody's chilling. It ain't. I mean, it gave me some time to work on music. So, like the next week, maybe when I moved back home, my little cousin Tangela came in town. Mm-hmm. My little, little cousin Tangela, she's my second cousin. Um, she's like ten years younger than me, uh, ten, eleven years younger than me. She was at Berkeley in Massachusetts, uh, and she's a rock star. She's a literal rock star. Mm-hmm. Plays plays instruments, produces badass, whatever. And so she came home. 
And then my homegirl, Amanda Davis, who's our front of house engineer for Janelle, an artist and a producer, she was already at home because of her parents. And so we had a session over it for you, I think. Um, and it just felt so good. Like, we just started running through songs. I had been working with my little cousin since she was, like, 16 or whatever. But she came home, and mm-hmm. she started, like, oh, I'm moving home, too. And so at that time, it was like, oh, shit, we just going to, like, I've been waiting to work on music with Amanda, but we've been on tour, and I've been waiting to work on uh, on music in person because me and my cousin were always just sending music back and forth. So, mm-hmm. you know, after that, I just, you know, started, like, going crazy producing, you know, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, because, you know, when you start, like, for 12 years I'm, you know, doing the Janelle thing, I never really had time to, like, really sew into production like I wanted to. And so this is a great opportunity. So, that I mean, it ended up being a blessing. Yeah. And then at a certain point, you know, the job for U of M came up, and one of my colleagues was like, hey, there's a job that's up. You know, you that should look at it. That was a good opportunity. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It, yeah, that, that, that changed the world of academia. Were you a little bit, you know, like, ah, or were you, like, excited about it? Oh, uh, yeah, when it happened, I knew it. I mean, like, I had, um, I had always... Once again, I like to control things. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I be having my little, this is going to happen at this time and this is going to happen at this time. But then when you start striving for other shit, you kind of, you kind of, uh, that was a whatever, but that just kind of went away. But I always had like a, I want to teach at some point. You know, maybe I'm going to go back to UT or, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm going to teach, but I'm going to, I like somebody to, you know, to pay me to be like a graduate student or some shit or whatever. I knew I was going to finesse my way into teaching some way. But I didn't realize it was going to happen like that. Like, you know, seriously, like, um, you know, now the thing is, uh, in 2018, right before we went on tour, we had an event called the Dream Forum where we brought 75 kids together, creative teams, um, to talk about creative careers. And so we had folks from Atlantic Records and we had folks in the fashion world. Like, And it was a great, you know, a great hit with the, you know, with the community in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And... (laughs) At the same time, I, th- I had um, my niece, my my other niece, I have two nieces, Kinesia and Cameron. Kinesia is 22, and she was at MTSU. And she didn't do good in a, in a, uh, in an intro to music class, a music business class. Mm-hmm. And I got, like, heated. She was in school for audio engineering. I got pissed off. I was like, mm-hmm. I could teach that class. And I was like, that's interesting or whatever. And now you're teaching it. Yeah, and then the added part of it is that she just got accepted into U of M. So wow. I'll be teaching her. You're te- Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's cool. Just this. And I know it's probably different for you because you're teaching uh, music management, uh, music marketing and management, um, entrepreneurship and uh, music uh, business, concerts and touring, songwriting, everything that you've talked about, all of your experience. You're really talking them through it, right? Yeah, it's cool. I think... Um, Looking back at it, and I mean, when I moved to Atlanta, I did have some good mentors and people who did pour into me, but it's the wild, wild west. Like, is you know, there isn't a lot of organization into the into music like it is on the film side or just in any kind of sector. And so, you know, and that's by design. It's good old boys club. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, whether it's and I noticed that even on the, like you know on the Janelle side, like when Janelle wanted when we had a, had a guy, we fired him for audio, and Janelle was like. I want to have a black woman to be my audio engineer. I was like, my first inclination was like, Janelle, I don't, I actually do know somebody. Like, I had to stop myself. My first inclination was like, Janelle, you want a black audio engineer? Mm-hmm. Man, that may take forever. I don't know. Actually, I know Amanda. My friend Amanda does audio. Okay. I mean, I don't, 
I'm guessing she's good. She makes really good music. I heard her. I haven't heard her do a live mix, but let me call Amanda. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think that like the the most fucked up part about it is it has nothing to do with talent. Mm. Many times it has way more to do with who you know. And they let like Jimmy like fuck up a thousand times, mm-hmm. but they not gonna fire him. But let your ass do Ina as Ina. <laughs> your black ass do anything, mm-hmm. and you know, you out of there. And so I think that as a touring production manager, you know, um, it's important for me to be humane and be honest. Yeah, I'll fire somebody and be like, "Look, I fired you for this reason." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But. You know, I'm not going to not recommend you for shit. I still want you or whatever. I just, you just can't fucking work here right now. You know what I'm saying? That's not, that's not the tool for your ass. But I'm still your boy. But yeah. you need to get your ass fired because you, you ain't learning fast enough. And I think that it's important to be able to do that before people get out in the field. And so that's the cool thing about the job at the University of Memphis is that, you know, my goal is to get students placed mm-hmm. in places and for them to be able to go, you know, and to deal with the mental part of it because it's really more about, who you are as opposed to like really what you do because if you can get a handle on like who you are you just are used to working hard and you know having a like it's the same process for everything and mm-hmm. I, I like that's the one thing i learned about like schools like you know whether it's me learning ableton you know the music program or me learning how to you know track drums out or me learning how to teach a class you know, it's just waking up and being locked mm-hmm. in and i think that you know the i do empathize and feel feel bad for the current generation because you look at 20 years what they've had to deal with and yeah. then like for my seniors you come in 2019 2018 2019 or whatever or whatever 2019 2020 mm-hmm. you come in you get a pandemic I you've been in a pandemic that. for two years yeah. you just now like think like this my students hadn't seen the bottom of their fucking faces the person they sitting Next to until like February, mm-hmm. they first kick it like oh we you know we had events every month for the students where uh, the Constance and Twin class produces a show for our student run label Blue Tom, and they have it at the green room and I think the first one they had in Feb like they had one in February and that's the first time they hung out like wow. when they got drinks I'm like, and it's a lot of that going on right now mm-hmm. so you're allowing them a little grace and yeah being a little more patient with them yeah I mean it ain't. It's not. We're not carrying cancer, man. I think that, but at the same time, we kind of, we kind of are. I mean, like one thing that's really important is a culture, 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 culture. Like that's the one thing that has been that we have to like kind of reteach. But I think the cool part about it is that people have been like with the with the pandemic, it's allowed people to kind of sit in their thoughts for better or for worse, mm-hmm. and it's made people like to, like choose what they want to like opt into or not. Because when you're in high school, it's just kind of like. They fighting, we fighting. You hating people, whatever. Now people can kind of choose their world around them. And now that they're back in the world, they're just like, I don't want to respond back to that text. I don't want to do the, like, and so, you know, but I think that, you know, we've just been, hey, whatever you need is right in front of you. This is your Mm -hmm. community. This, you know, it's not about having a million followers. It's really about, you know, the people that you have around you or whatever. So it's been really cool to try to, you know, stuff that was natural to us when we was in college. Like, I mean, you know, if we stay in the dorm, we're going to come down and start beatboxing and, and rapping and mm-hmm. shooting the shit and doing whatever, whatever. And that's not something that, you know, we've trained them to do for the last few years. Right. And so, you know, just, I mean, that's been, you know, it's the same thing I've been doing. That's kind of how I feel. 
Yes. And you know what I want to tap into, Jeff? Um, Funky Town. Yeah. Over there at WYXR, yeah. you go by the moniker uh, South Memphis Jeff. Yep. Tell everybody about your show on WYXR. Funky Town, 8 to 9 on Thursdays on WYXR 91.7. Uh, man, it's crazy because, like, how long have you had your show? Uh, it seemed like two years now since they started. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you play a part in this um, without knowing. So um, when I moved here, I stayed off of, like, J- uh, Jackson and Garland, so right around mm-hmm. the corner. And so, you know, it's a, it's a pandemic. And so when I would need places to go just to, like, decompress, I would go to Crosstown. And so many mm-hmm. times I would come on Sundays really? and hear, like, your show. I'm like, man, this is so cool, whatever. And so um, DJ Alpha Whiskey introduced mm-hmm. me to Jared, and, you know, we found out Jared was – the cousin of one of my best friends, my best friend, B-Munt. Shout out to B-Munt. And me and Jerry just started running around, you know, being silly and shit. And, um, you know, eventually, you know, it's like, yo, you're actually good at, you know, picking songs and shit like that. Mm-hmm. She, you know, you should have a show. I mean, it, I kind of twisted his arm a little bit more than that or whatever. He's like, okay, fine. Shit, you can have a show. You know? oh. <laughs> and so it was cool. It was cool. I found DJ once. He was just like, yo, you actually good. All right, yeah, you can get that show you asked about or whatever. So um, it's been super cool just from a communal standpoint, mm-hmm. being able to connect with the city, you know, being from Funky Town, being from South Memphis. Um, and just, like, it's not, you know, James Brown for fucking one hour. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I love playing James Brown stuff or whatever. It's not like, and so to be able to play, you know, stuff from traveling, stuff from Japan, stuff from, mm-hmm. like, you know, that's the big part of it. When I was in Atlanta, I had a band called All Cowsy Grass. And it started just from the idea we was having house parties, and the house parties got kind of so big that it's like, you can't have them here no more. And so mm-hmm. we started having it, but it's based off of, like, going and hanging out in, you know, in London or hanging out in Paris or, you know, you know hanging out in St. Bart's or going to Brazil or all these different places. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, soul funk music being the base of it. So whether mm-hmm. it's Brazil, whether it's whatever, you know, um, just tapping into, like, this sound, you know, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's been it's been it's been super cool. Yeah. And and I saw that you know you're turning that into funky tour dance party. Tell me about <laughs> the that. summer funk tour. Yeah, the summer funk tour. The summer funk tour. Yeah. So I'm starting to get booked for some shows. I mean, um, you know, it's it's amazing. Okay, <laughs> it's, okay. it's, it's amazing. So yeah, the first show. Yeah, the first show that I'm doing is on Sunday. It's actually a show that the kids are doing. Um, like I said, you know, our constant touring class does. Um, they produce a show every month and so during the school year. So um, this last one we're doing with an amazing artist, Taliba Sophia, mm-hmm. uh, who is being, there's a great article coming out soon about uh, her being named our artist in residence at the mm-hmm. University of Memphis uh, for, the, uh, for the music business program. And she'll be performing. We'll be recording it. Um, I think I know her. Mm-hmm. I follow her on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. real funky. Yeah, real funky. Yeah. Raps and yeah, sing. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I know yeah, who you're yeah, talking yeah. about. And I know so who you're talking about. I'll be opening up that show. It's sold out, so that's super cool. I'm I, I oh, I know you saw I, that, but can I go? Okay, yeah. thank you. And so it's you know, so that's that'll be the first one. Be doing some stuff in Nashville, and it's cool. Like I, I got a lot of DJ friends, and so like DJing is so easy. To I was talking, uh, talking to my homie. Um, just got a show in Anchorage. <laughs> like mm. got a homegirl. It's like you, you always need a DJ. Oh so if somebody pull up, it's like oh, I'm being LA. Can I? You know, so like that's 
for me, the DJing part is about just connecting through music and, mm-hmm. you know, just being a cool little, little hobby, you know. Yes, and and another thing I saw, you're developing a pilot for a sitcom. You got yeah. a lot going on, Jeff. So yeah. I mentioned Jeff. What's up with the pilot for the sitcom and the film script? What's, what is going on? <laughs> so, um, when I was traveling, I well, shout out to Monica. Like, my homegirl, Monica, um, managed on the, on the music side and we did a lot of shows together and um, in about 2008, she started working with Matt Cherry, and she exposed me first to the film world. And you know, I did some casting for you know for a, a, a web series that he did, and I saw Matt just like blow up and see you know. And then I read like Save the Cat and some other books. I was like, man, it's actually really easy. It's a lot easier to put a film together, and to a certain extent, than like. An album because there are actually rules to it. Like, oh, this is gonna, you know, these are my beats that I gotta go through, blah, blah. You know, this is what, like, it's, you have to do something to get to the next scene or whatever. And so it made it, you know, pretty easy, whatever. And so I just kind of started right, working on the script. Um, mm-hmm. And it's called Madam Jones. And, you know, it was just, you know, okay, figuring Madam it out. Jones, I mean, we're gonna see Madam Jones uh, come to life. So shout out to L. Perry, too. Who's, shout uh, out to L. Perry. Who has <laughs> saved my life for coming and helping me with this script? Um, and you know we're in what Act Three right now. We got okay. a few more scenes left, whatever. But it's it's I'm spoiled, man. I'm very spoiled because you know it's you know Monica has has been a great mentor, and you know no, you need to do this, you need to do that, whatever. And so and then for me, like I have a regular job, so mm-hmm. all of this is just like things that I would just do on the end, I just happen to know the business side to kind of, you know, like, yeah. like I said, I'm spoiled Jared, my homeboy, so I can get a radio show, I'm, you know. Um, but, it, you know, I, I appreciate it because it's based off of, like, real love and not, like, you know, like, favors and nothing like that. Like, you know, it's, it's a real vibe. Like, mm-hmm. me and Jared are already chilling, listening to music. It's like, hey, this needs to be a show. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, That's usually uh, so how yeah. it happens, yeah, too. Yeah, so, yeah, so, you know. Yeah. Kind so, of everything. Are you are you digging the music scene in Memphis right now? Oh, yeah, I love it. I mean, that's why that's really why I'm here for. Like, um, there's so many amazing artists. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Elena and Alana with God, Stan, Brandon, the whole new Genesis team, Dottie, Doll. Dottie. Yes. I mean, jeez, I'm I'm going for days. You know. Yeah. I mean, and this it's here. It's here, and I um, you know, Tangela, Robinette, it's I mean, and the infrastructure part of it was the part that was, like, I don't even want to say missing because we have a robust music scene, especially on the rap side. Like, the rap side is, like, crushing it, and there's an infrastructure there. Um, And I think on the soul side, on the R&B side, on the pop side, there's still, you know, we have to train up the next generation. That's the one thing I saw in Atlanta was, you know, how— there wasn't much of a music scene and you know 20 30 years ago you know with dungeon family you started seeing people each one mm-hmm. teach one kind of situation yeah. i think that you know for memphis and i think cuz i think management has such, is such a dirty word and it took me so long to go from being a manager like when i went to atlanta i was like i'm not going to make any music i want to do right by my artists I don't want to be the the manager all up in the videos. Like, mm-hmm. I was really like that, you know. And by the time, but then the music just starts busting out of you. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, 
going to wash your hands, you got a song, like, oh, let me give a voice memo, and like, let me give me a little keyboard, so I'm staying up late making music mm-hmm. when I'm supposed to be sleeping and supposed to be doing shit or whatever, and it just really busts out of you, you know, and mm-hmm. so, I mean, you know, that's, um, I don't even know if I answered your question or whatever, but yeah. You did, you yeah. did. Do you get a lot of people in Memphis that ask you to, to manage them at this point? No, no, because, like, my sister was always good at keeping me away from people. And so, like, when I came home, I'd be like, oh, who are you? And it's like, oh, I've been knowing about you, but your sister don't, keep, don't let people be around She's you. She's the protector. Yeah, yeah. So, nah, because I don't, I mean, but but I think, so, I'm glad you asked that question. Because, um, you know, I used to do a lot more management, and it was just very tiring trying mm-hmm. to tell people what to do that I said what I said. Like, why you? No, just go do it. I don't. I don't. That's not a debate. And so I got tired of doing this shit. And it's so much easier just to manage yourself, or mm-hmm. you know. And I have a, I have a great team. Shout out to Renika, or my manager. Um, but it's so much easier for me to manage myself and for me to manage my business partners, and uh, you know, for us to kind of be able to feed off each other and help each other, whatever. But being at work at the University of Memphis has been great because we study music all day. So like, I have way more patience and tolerance. To, you know, like, hey, if any artists want to come and holler at me in my, my office, let's talk. Luca comes through, Pro comes through, Maestro. Like, we always have mm-hmm. artists and people coming through. I work for the city now, you know, for the state now. Like, I ain't, like, cool. They paying me to be here, and, you know, I'm a real good uncle. I'll tell you what you need to know, pat you on the head and say, go do it, champ. You know what I'm saying? Let me know how it goes. I don't, you know, make sure you're real good and sleeping for your parents when you get home or whatever. And so, mm-hmm. but I, I ain't trying to ask you every day or whatever like nah I, you know so I think that there's a, and I, I feel like most artists like don't need they they don't want a damn manager they want an assistant you know what I'm saying an, an assistant calls and they want something for nothing like as soon as you start talking to a manager that, that faucet is on like that, that meter is on you gotta mm-hmm. pay people and so you can't afford a manager so you need to figure out how to be a manager yourself and that's cause like Janelle once again knows every part of her like no, your job is to do this, not that. I hired you to do this. And I saw a team being built responsibly. Mm. And I know all the positions. And I know that you don't need that. You need to. You just want to be lazy. And if you want to be lazy, that's fine. But do you have X amount of thousands of dollars to pay somebody for a year or whatever? Okay. And so I think that's, that's the other part of it, too, is making sure that the rates for people in the city go up. Mm-hmm. You know, like... I'm just a person to tell you how much the shit costs. I'm not the budget. Don't tell me about your budget. It costs X amount of dollars for Ina to come speak. I don't, you know, yeah. and don't, and I think that that's been something that's important as I work with students and I work with organizations. It's like, well, if you only got this, then you need to, you know, so I mean, that's, you know, all this, it's been, it's been really cool. Like it's been, this has been an absolute yeah, dream. Yes. Uh, you've come full circle. Are you going back out on tour with Janelle? Yeah, at some point. At okay. some point. I mean, you know, she's on a book tour right now. Shout out to Viv and Kelly who are holding down um, in Chicago right now. Um, and, you know, but Janelle and her bag, man. And so Yeah, she and she her, her bag. bag. She, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, she, yes. Um, I saw that Red Table Talk. I, I got to okay. check it out. I haven't, I haven't seen it. I got to see it. Check it out. Look, when we when we log off, check it out. Check it out. Know, check out your girl. See what she been up to. Yes, I will, I will. Yes, yes. How about them Grizzlies? Oh, man. I am a. You've been going to the game? Nah, because every time there's a game, I like the last the last one I had the show, then the one before I had class, and then the next one I got class. Oh, wow. And so, but now I'm, 
I am a huge They fan. was in that thing. Whoop that tree. <laughs> Whoop the, I'm talking about black, white, Chinese, everybody. That was my second job working for the Grizzlies. I sold jerseys my senior year and my freshman year of college. Wow. Yeah. And look at them now. Yeah, dog, because they sucked then. Yeah, 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 they <laughs> did. You can't say that no more. John Moran gonna get your ass. <laughs> yeah, no, <nah, for> <laughs> Well, South Memphis, Jeff, I have truly enjoyed you on the Verbally Effective Podcast. I mean, you've been through a lot. Uh, you know a lot. I want to come and see you do your thing at the University of Memphis. Come through. Can I come and sit in on a class? You can come and teach a class, too. Oh, I can come and teach a class? Yeah, yeah, definely, definitely, definitely. Okay, well, we're going to talk. Yes. We're going to talk more about that. I want you to let the verbally effective audience know how they can continue to follow your amazing journey. Ah, um, so I am Jeff Coran, J-E-F-F-C-O-H-R-A-N. Also at South Memphis Jeff, S-T-H Memphis Jeff uh, on all the mediums. Uh, yeah, you know. Yes, check my I'm boy out. You. Tell him when your show is on WYXR. Funky Town, WYXR 91.7 Memphis, also on WYXR.org. That's every Thursday from 8 to 9. And you also can check out the archives on WYXR.org backslash Funky Town. And, yeah, man, you know, you know, fuck with me. Fuck with him. Fuck with him. Fuck with him, man. That's right. Thank you so much, Jeff Coran, for joining me today on the Verbally Effective Podcast. You were amazing. I learned a lot about your journey. And it seemed like it's still processing, yes, you know, yes, it's this beautiful road yeah. that you're on right now. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think, you know, when we talk to our kids, it's about balance. Like, you having your regular job, but also having these things that you allow to kind of grow and just, you know, you know, working on music. And, like, for me, once you have – and just kind of knowing – what your bare minimum is. Like, if you're happy and you're cool where you are in life, now you can be creative. And I mean, you can be creative before then, too, whatever. And so I'm just, I'm starting to open up my bag of tricks and so I'm Yes, really open up the bag, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you guys so much for tuning in to yet another episode of the Verbally Effective Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on all streaming platforms and hit that subscribe on the Ina Esco YouTube channel. I'll see you guys next week for another edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast.